Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across this little planet we call Earth. However, you got our show today by downloading from our website at techcentral.ie or using a smartphone podcast app or listening on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. Thank you so much for having us with you this week. Joining me as always is Niall Kitson uh, from Tech Central HQ. Niall, you've been out and about uh, in the last day or two down at Croke Park because we were talking to Alex Gibson on the show last week about the augmented reality and virtual reality and there was a big conference thrown around ideas about all of that and you were at it. How was it? Were you impressed? I was, yeah. I was down at Air VR Innovation um, today. And do you know what? There were so there were so many really interesting ideas coming out of the gaming uh, entertainment space alone. There's also an awful lot of interesting views from the world of construction and engineering, um, which uh, I, th- I think these are things that are going to come to market quicker and more successfully maybe than the consumer applications we're expecting. But... From our perspective, as, as people who like consumer technology, the one lesson that I took from the conference is that, for the love of God, let's make sure what happens with VR and AR isn't the same as how things ended up for 3D. But basically, is, is what they were saying was, you know, let's not just roll this out technology for technology's sake. Let's get, let's get some practical applications behind this and that people will find hugely useful in their everyday lives. And then it'll actually become something real. Yeah. And something that you can't get anywhere else that will go beyond the novelty value towards being actually useful in your daily life. So I, I thought it was a very interesting point. I thought it was a very pragmatic point. Mm. And it, it shows that, you know, lessons are being learned as we go along because, you know, for all the debates that we had over the merits of 3D um, when, you know, Samsung and the like were trying to sell 3D TV sets um, and it just wasn't happening because mm. the content wasn't there or because people didn't want to wear glasses in the home. Fairly obvious things, really. Mm. Um, the AR VR community are coming to this going, you know what, we, we learned from this. We learned from Google Glass as well. I think Google Glass's big error was going for the consumer space instead of the enterprise space. Um, because, you know, when you're launching a product with a camera in it, <laughs> uh, people would feel much less aggrieved by having uh, something like mm. that, say, in a factory where not a lot it, that's, you know, different from day to day is going to happen uh, to being out, uh, out in public on the streets where you're looking at strangers. Different different thing altogether. Listen, you're, uh, you're working on the road today, so we don't, uh, we won't, uh, we have a, an interview that I want to get to in a few minutes' time. But uh, the other big news story of the day that I wanted to ask you about was the, uh, the National Broadband Plan. This has been pushed back a little bit. It has been pushed back a year. Now, We've, we talked about this uh, last year when I went out and I met with um, CSIRO, which is the uh, joint venture between the ESB and Vodafone to bring fibre to the fiber to the home broadband across the uh, electricity grid. Perfect. Brilliant idea. Um, surprised that it hasn't been done sooner. Uh, and now uh, it seems that uh, Europe and the government had a kitty of 150 million to put towards the next national broadband plan. They were looking to bring it in line with the European goal of giving everyone in the EU access 
not necessarily the use of, but access to 30 megabit per second broadband, mm. right? Uh, Cyro had been going out and connecting smaller towns around the country. Air has been doing the same. Um, Imagine are doing the same around, the, around uh, I think, Kilkenny they're working in at the moment, and they're looking to target large regional towns uh, to get away from the cities, uh, where it's arguable that, you know, competition is sort of taking care of our connectivity needs uh, as it is. And the real, uh, the emerging market really is sort of outside the pale um, and, and places with uh, even poor mobile network connectivity. Mm. Uh, so there were five uh Bidders uh, went forward to the department. Um, I know uh, Air was definitely one. I imagine Syro was one. You might be surprised to know that uh, Virgin Media was not one. They're um, they're sticking to their own plan with their with their own uh, fiber powered network, which, as we know, is fiber to the cabinet, and then the last mile or whatever is still the copper that that mm. that your uh, landline goes through. Um, and now the department has come out and said, well, look, we had five shortlisted entries. Uh, we had a certain amount of uh, criteria in terms of deliverable speed, coverage area and uh, return on investment. And none of the shortlisted entries came out any of our criteria. Uh, as a result, the next step is that we're going to bring all those shortlisted entries in. We're going to have a chat. They call it a, a consultation. Uh, and we're going to trash out what, what can actually be delivered upon and then we'll make a decision after. But that's not going to happen for another year. So I did a, a quick roundabout on the um, on the telcos uh, and everyone has sort of come out, you know, even the smaller ones like Inesh um, uh, uh, and Airspeed um, come out and said, look, it's it's a necessary process. It has to happen. The end goal of, of the, uh, the National Broadband Plan has to be uh, achieved. Um it's just a shame that it's going to take longer than it should be. The department mm. said, you know, it's not happening till 2017, but 2017 could mean January 2017. It could be just a few months off course. Um, but of course, we, we know that's a load of rubbish. It'll be the middle of next year before we hear anything. If, if not December 2017 as well. It's such a pity because Ireland, especially in Dublin, the uh, broadband connections can be so good. And in my experience, some of the best uh, in the world that I've experienced. And, and it's hard to think that 100 miles down the road, just because somebody's not living in a town or in a city, uh, that that broadband is absolutely uh, horrid. But anyway, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, another story that has been making news this week is the the rise, the rise, the rise of Facebook. Their quarterly revenue, I can't believe this from, from Facebook or any company, their quarterly revenues are up by 50%. It's insane. And their shares are also worth more than uh, Apple. And uh, that also is insane also in, in itself. And they seem to be ruling the world now with messaging and WhatsApp and all kinds of things going on. Um the reason why I'm 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 talking about Facebook is because I did a lot of advertising with Facebook last year and I didn't find them to be that successful for what I was doing. However, you've been out and about, uh, Niall, and you've been talking to a lady who was in the business. Okay, well, uh, ex- explain what you were doing with them. Uh, well, I was doing, it was concert promotions. So what we were doing is we were trying to reach a very specific uh, uh, audience and uh, and it just it just wasn't working for us. <laughs> <laughs> that's, right, that's, right. That's, you weren't that's getting the best any response way. whatsoever. Uh, we, no, we weren't. Uh, and we seem to be hitting the same people all the time, whereas, you know, it was only a fraction of, of the audience that we needed to hit. <coughs> and this was, you know, it wasn't just me doing it on my own. There were some Facebook experts who were involved in it. I just, eh, it didn't work. And, and the return on investment uh, was just not good for us. Now, so we, do we, you think, 
Facebook advertising is basically going to be found out that there there is a finite number of companies out there willing to try it that that number of companies is going to shrink based on sort of negative word of mouth so do do you think this is sort of a, a temporary bump or, uh, no, know. I think they may get found out because as part of my investigation, talking to lots of other people who use Facebook for advertising, it is very annoying where you will put up posts and you get people to like your page and, you know, kind of, let's say regular posts all do okay. But anything yeah. with a hint of a sale in it does absolutely dreadful unless you boost the post. Right. Okay. That seems to be I the see. experience that, that that people have. And, you know, the good thing about Facebook is this where Google AdWords, when that was popular once upon a time, um, uh, is that anybody can do it and and people will jump on and try it out. And maybe that's where they're, they're, they're making the money. I don't know. I'm not an expert in this, but you were talking to an expert in this and not just at Facebook, but Google AdWords and all kinds of other social media and Twitter and stuff like that. And how, how to make the most of social media for business. Who is she? Yeah, well, you might remember uh, from a few years now, I guess, back in, back in the PC Live days, we had uh, Mary Rose Lyons from Brightspire Consulting uh, mm. on a few times. And uh, she is, a, a, to use a, a fairly dated term, a social media guru. Well, let's just call her a social media expert now. And um, she teaches companies how to get the best out of social media. And I sat down to, to her with a view to talking about what to do when social media goes bad. I'm here at the rather salubrious surroundings of uh, the National Museum today, and it's a social setting because we're talking about social media. That's not an accident. And I'm speaking with uh, Mary Rose Lyons from Brightspark Consulting, and uh, we're just going to have a, a general chat about social media and how businesses in particular uh, can manage social media uh, and avoid some of the pitfalls that people fall into. So, Mary Rose, just to talk about how social media has grown up over the last few years, because we really are making it up as, as we go along, I, th- I think there was uh, this idea a while back of peak social media that you know everybody was going to be on Facebook and those those kind of it that's not really the way it's turned out at all it's gotten much more fragmented hasn't it Absolutely, absolutely not. Um, one of the things I keep an eye on all the time is the MRBI IPPOS survey, survey research that comes out. And it shows the percentage of Irish adults who have a social media account on the various different platforms. And, you know, Facebook is 63% and growing and, you know, it's there. So what I say to my clients is no matter who they're targeting, it's like have a look at that research first and you'll see, you know, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. And then on a smaller extent, you'll see you know instagram and pinterest and you'll see snapchat and so on but the message is to, to my that i give to my clients is that you've kind of got to get the big ones right okay you've got to be there and um, you don't have to be doing everything there but you've got to be there be where the people hang out and then if you've got budget and if you've got time bring in some other platforms in, on a secondary basis so where do you start i mean if you're, if you're in business i mean do you go straight to LinkedIn and it's sort of more corporate sort of voice or do you maybe have a look at Twitter which would be something a bit more casual or you know I would be reluctant for example to look at Facebook because I consider that very much a a space for family and friends. Well you are touching in on one of the biggest debates of our time um, which is um, 
I'm only beginning to kind of read around it myself. Now, I'd be on your side of defence in relation to this, but um, there's a fabulous guy who I follow called Mark Schaefer, and he's in the States. He's written a really good book called um, The Content Shock, which I highly recommend people read. He's actually coming to Dublin at the end of May to speak at a one-day event with our very own Ian Cleary. I sound like I'm I'm promoting this event. I'm not. I'm just really looking forward to it. Anyway, um, he had a post recently about um, how... Uh, with all the new tools that Facebook is releasing in terms of, you know, live streaming video. Yeah, cool, caught that. And if anyone wants to find out about um, what's the best live streaming video to use, um, there's a group I'm a part of called the Marketing Lab, and I'm about to go off afterwards, and we are reviewing um, all the different options for live streaming video, and we'll be publishing it on um, another um, media website on their blog. Um, So if anyone wants to keep a track of those kind of results, they can. So anyway... He was kind of saying that with the live streaming video and with the kind of the new blogging options and Facebook and so on, he's beginning to rethink his mantra, which is, you know, businesses don't really need to be on Facebook if they're targeting other businesses. And I read that and I stopped in my tracks and I kind of went, oh my goodness, like my view with uh, B2B is that you start with your message, first of all. And your, the place where your message is housed is usually your website. So you start writing and producing some really good content for your website, preferably with a video or a very visual nature. And then you use the platforms to ship that content out. So, for example, LinkedIn, for example, Twitter, SlideShare, Quora, um, wherever it is your audience happen to hang out, you package your content up in a way that will be attractive to them in that place and you bring it out to them there. And here is Mark Schaefer, my content guru, talking about forget all that just go and live on Facebook and I thought about this long and hard and I thought do I have to rethink my thinking because I kind of have to do that every six weeks because it's social media um, and I came to the conclusion for now that no I'm, I'm going to stick with my thinking which is B2B it isn't really a place to be on Facebook, I don't think, because it's about a mindset. It's about, you know, when you go on Facebook of an evening, for example, you're kicking back, you're relaxing. You don't want some accountant offering his services to you. You don't want to be reminded about work. You don't want to be reminded about, you know, self-improvement and all the things you have to do. You do want to be reminded about events and gigs and T-shirts you can buy and drinks you can buy. So it is very much a space for B2C, like consumer marketing. But right now, I'm not really a huge fan for B2B because, let's face face it, it's enough work and grind to try and get your message out there using all the other B2B platforms, you know, I think you're okay to let Facebook go. That said, don't avoid Facebook for the ads. Facebook is an amazing driver and the ad platform is fantastic. So you could run a few ads and bring people back through to your website. I think one of the interesting things about the way social media platforms are growing up is the fact that LinkedIn has gone beyond just sort of corporate links. It's actually developed a character unto itself. And even if it is just sort of inspirational quotes, it's a totally different reading experience at this stage. I agree. Oh, my goodness. I'm totally agreeing with everything that you say. Um, I find with LinkedIn, it reminds me a little bit of the early days of blogging. So the early days of blogging, you know, you'd write a blog post and you get lots of comments. And then that stopped when around 2007, when Twitter came along. And then you'd write a blog post and everyone would be tweeting to you about how much they liked your blog post. And for a while I'd be saying, that's great. Can you kind of write it as a comment on my blog, please? And people just ignored you. And now I find with LinkedIn Pulse, if I write something on Pulse, I get all this instant interaction on Pulse. And people love talking to you on Pulse. And I'm like, wow, it's kind of like early days of, of blogging. Um, I agree. I think LinkedIn has really changed uh, in you know the last 
five years or so, which is half a decade, let's face it. Um, I like the way Pulse works. Um, I still think that um, the deadest performing area of social media, um, the graveyard of social media is uh, LinkedIn company pages. Um, and I, um, I'm shocked as well about how little knowledge very very senior people have about how to just put together a really good LinkedIn profile and if you want to find out how to put together a really good LinkedIn profile I've got a blog post on it and it just takes you through it step by step and I think that kind of thing should be taught in schools and uh, there's always this sort of trade-off between how much of yourself you actually give away when you're sort of putting together a social media profile, especially one that you want seen by your clients. You know, do, do you want people just to see how much background that you have in your specific field? I've noticed some people actually include their work history right back to the year dot, including, you know, dodgy retail jobs that they, that they had in their adolescence. I mean, do people really need to know that level of detail about somebody? No. No, and I think, again, if you read this blog post on, on my Brightspark-Consulting website, um, you will find that um, it's not about jobs. Like, to me, a really good LinkedIn profile will have um, a couple of up-to-date LinkedIn pulse um, attached to it. Um, projects, you know, if you've been working in the same job for, say, two or three years, you know, that's just one line item on your profile. But you can go in and you can add projects that you've worked on and you can show, you know, goals and what you achieved and delivered. So you're kind of expanding out the work that you've been doing within an organization. Now, another, like, a much overlooked uh, platform that I love is SlideShare. You on SlideShare yourself? Mm-hmm. SlideShare is great. It's like, it's uh, social networking around slide decks. And uh, LinkedIn bought it a couple of years ago. And it's so easy to seamlessly upload slides on your current thinking on something onto slide deck and then click a button and then add it to your LinkedIn profile. So you can show people in a really visual way, this is my current thinking about, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it is, and kind of start establishing yourself as a thought leader. So I think adding in things like projects and slide decks, making sure you're doing a bit of pulse um, is much more effective way of uh, you know, putting yourself forward in a, in, a, in a great way on LinkedIn than just you know, filling in what jobs you've worked at. And I think people who are serious about LinkedIn kind of know that. And uh, I guess when you're looking at various other platforms like Twitter or Snapchat, do you think there is this notion of getting carried away that as soon as a platform arrives, people go, oh, I have to be investing so much time in this? Yeah, well, I have this all the time. Um, part of my work when I'm putting together a social media strategy for my clients is to, you know, I always have to be looking at what's what's happening. Um, at the moment, I'm working on a strategy for a market research company, and they need to target 18 to 30-year-olds. So I'm sort of going, oh, it has to be Snapchat. But no, because there's no proper reporting and there's no metrics and yes I have to be on Snapchat and I'm kind of like toing and froing and toing and froing and uh, what I love about uh, Ireland and Dublin is like I just basically I've just hit up lots of really really effective and senior social media people and had these conversations about Snapchat for these guys or not and I have to big, give a big shout out to Paul from Aer Lingus who's their head of social media I, ran, I contacted him on LinkedIn the other day and I said you guys do really good Snapchat and you're Irish can we have a conversation and we had a conversation and from all of these conversations my thinking has evolved and my thinking is going to be that I'm going to go back to the client with is that um, you know 
it might be good, but it's more of a kind of a fun, playful area. If you want to put some metrics on it, you can kind of put some spurious ones. But in terms of doing Snapchat to achieve your business goals, not now, kids. So that's that's one thing. Now, if you were to say, okay, I'm going to read you know, all of the media... All of the media would say, oh my God, you have to be on Snapchat. Um, so that's one of the kind of things. And what I would say, though, is that um, I'm very much a fan of almost like, I suppose, a segmented social media approach. So, for example, I'm working with another client at the moment. And what we're kind of coming up with on their strategy is that they need to be doing Facebook but they need to be doing Facebook with kind of happy clappy pictures and it's targeting a kind of a weddings kind of a market. So that's kind of Facebook. Now we'll also be doing a bit of Pinterest for that weddings market. Also on Pinterest will be a bit of kind of weddings and kind of uh, community ideas stuff. Um, we'll be using um, a specific Twitter account just to uh, communicate another business angle. And we will also be doing some sort of thought leader stuff across Twitter and LinkedIn. So they're going to be on pretty much, you know, and well, of course, we're going to be doing some recruitment as well on Instagram. So they're going to be pretty much on all of the major platforms. But as a small business, they can handle that because they're only going to be reaching out to one particular audience or maybe two at a a maximum on each platform. So I looked at all their competitors and their competitors are basically lashing out loads of content on every platform and there's nothing to do with their business. And they're not getting any engagement. I know they're not getting any results. So I'm much more about let's be really laser focused and do a few platforms talking to a very specific audience very well. One of the things companies have, one of their big fears is whenever they embrace social, go anywhere at all, it's how do we handle a crisis? You know, inevitably we're going to get a complaint in public and people are going to go nuclear over it and it could go viral and it could reflect really badly on the company. So, What advice would you give to companies that are working with social uh, about how to handle the inevitable angry customer? Angry customers exist. (laughs) It is a fact of life. Um, Well, I always refer back to um, the traffic light approach, which was developed by Brian Hart in Tourism Ireland, who I worked with for a number of years. And he came up with this approach, which uh, all of the different markets used when they were dealing with uh, comments across uh, Facebook and Twitter, mainly Facebook for them at the time. And it's basically the traffic light. So it's like if you think of like green, amber and red. Okay, so if there's chat going on um, on whatever platform and it's all kind of nice chat, off we go, then it's great. Green means keep it going. So your job as the community manager is to come in and go, hey, Niall, that is a really cool picture you posted. Or, you know, if somebody, if Niall comes in and says something like, I'm thinking of going to Ireland on my holidays this year. Hey, you're thinking of going. Where would you be going? Would you be going to Dublin or Cork? You know, that kind of a keep the chat going. Um, if there is somebody who comes in and they do like a they put a comment like if you ask something like um, you know what's your favourite part of Ireland to visit and someone comes in and they say um, they all look awful in the rain okay now you could you can't go back to that person you're not going to come back and have an argument with them about the rain so what you need to do is that's like a they've just stopped your conversation so what you need to do is you need to kind of push that down okay that's an amber so you need to start coming in with like lots of content to kind of push that one out of the way so you might kind of push sort of two or three posts in a row about um, and here's another thing and here's some great trips for families and oh and not forgetting kids you know not forgetting adults and so on so you can push that one down and then the third one and this is 
the one that kind of gets jumped on in the media the most is the red light. And this is where if someone has said something that is offensive or racist or you know, homophobic or, well, that is offensive. But, you know, if someone has said something that is really not conducive to the conversation, if they're breaking your rules of engagement, you can delete, okay? Now, you have to be really careful about when you delete, okay? Now, what it goes back to is in your About Us section, for example, on Facebook, you need to state what your rules of engagement are. You say, look, we're here and we're we're here, we're going to talk about... Uh, coffee because we're a coffee lovers community if anyone comes on with something that isn't to do with coffee we're going to delete you if anyone comes on and they're you know doing a sales plug on their product we don't really like it and we'd ask you not to do it so if somebody comes on promoting their product you're not going to delete them they're in amber you want to push them down okay but if somebody comes on and is talking about um, you know in a racist way about why they wouldn't drink Kenyan coffee for example you want to delete them so it's very important to be clear on what your community is about and when before you press that delete button, it's knowing, you know, am I actually okay? Is this a red or maybe it's an amber? I hope that makes and sense. And I guess depending on how you deal with something, you know, uh, a negative review that goes viral can actually, can actually become a very important opportunity. Yeah, well, remember that case? Remember recently there was the, uh, was it the cafe or the hotel in Fibsborough? Mm-hmm. Restaurant. Uh, sorry, I can't remember the name of it, but there was a guy in Fibsborough and somebody had given him some negative on TripAdvisor and he kind of took them to task in a kind of a nice but interesting kind of way and that went viral and it worked for him very well. Um, I wouldn't recommend you try that at home, folks, unless you've got, like, balls of steel. Um, my advice my, like my advice to anyone um, on, say, for example, if you're dealing with TripAdvisor, is um, to know that, and this is a fact, okay, if... If somebody writes a positive review about your business on TripAdvisor or Yelp or whatever, menu pages, and if somebody writes a negative review, if you come in and constructively deal with the negative review, constructively in a nice way, the overall psychological impact on the community is much more positive in your favor from the negative one dealt with than just the positive one. So I know it can be really hard if you're a restaurant or a cafe or you know a hotel and you get some negative molly coming in having a bad day and slating you and your staff who work so hard. But what I would say is take a deep breath. Remember it's not personal. Try and address it in a constructive way and then smile because this is a blessing because they are actually helping your business. Because you know when I look at say hotel like just as a as an individual if I look at hotel reviews and if somebody has written something kind of negative and then the manager comes in and con- deals with it constructively, I automatically think that the person who wrote the review was probably some American who was looking for like a five-star intercontinental and I'm actually on the, on the part of my little hotel that I'm checking out. So, you know, I think that's how humans work. But that, that fact is actually rooted in science. Um, I was going to do my thesis in cyber psychology on this. Um, then I decided not to. Um, but I did, like, there's, there's a lot of research that proves this to be true. So, buy it. And thank you, Mary Rose. Thanks. And that was Niall Kitson talking to Mary Rose Lyons from uh, Bright Spark in consulting a very very clever lady. I wish I wish I had spoken to her before I spent thousands of euro with Facebook. <laughs> Listen, Niall, before we uh, go for this week, uh, we have we do have one more thing that, that we want to talk about on the show, but we didn't get a chance. But it's on the website. Tell us about it. Yeah, uh, Microsoft has plans for your DNA. That's the only that's the only way I can describe it. 
Yeah, I, I would have put in Microsoft has got mind-blowing plans for your DNA. The fact they're doing this is it's something out of an Arthur C. Clarke book. You'll get it on the website at techcentral.ie. That story plus much more. And of course, all the latest on Irish Tech News with hourly updates, daily newsletters and our own little weekly uh, tech radio show here online. And every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. On to next week for myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall Kitson who will be back at Tech Central HQ next week. Thanks for listening. Take care. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.